and y'all got the love. So the Lord told me to read something from His Word to bless y'all for your edification. First Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are differences of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. By all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet. I have, I have no need of, the, of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacks, that there be no schism in the body. But that, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then the gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, 
Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But cover earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. The greatest gift is love, because it's a gift. It's the only gift you can give. Every other gift is given from above, but you got to give love. That's why it's the greatest gift. And y'all have blessed my soul with that. I feel love in this church. And listen, if you got the Father, you got the Son. God is love. Okay, now Satan was defeated at the cross. Now this is a good place to bury his image. Amen. But we we overcome the beast and his image by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And here's his image: the six things that God hates. Proverbs six six. Count 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 the number of his name. One, a proud look. That's a mark of the beast. Two, a lying tongue. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. Three, hands that shed innocent blood. No murderer hath the eternal life abiding in him. Four, uh, hands, hands that shed innocent blood. It was, anyway, Proverbs 6.16. That, I'm, I'm sorry, brother, but uh, in this right here, 1 Corinthians 13, that's God's image. God still let us make man in our image, but we got to choose. Amen? Amen. God bless you, brother. Let me don't put that. Let, let, let's hear what Joshua read. He, he pushed us about love. He pushed us about, the scripture says about our, the gifts of God. He pushed us about being fitted together. He pushed us that, that we would walk in the fullness. And that I, I need to be fitted together. Rick, with Tammy, with, with Joshua. Walking in love to see his greatness and for his glory. You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, right now, um, I knew Joshua was going to say something. The Lord spoke to me. Uh, if you don't have a handout, hand it, hand it, receive it. Whether I get there or not, that'll be a whole other question. I knew Joshua was going to say something. The Lord told me. Josh was going to say something, but Josh, I, I, we want to receive what you're speaking, but I don't want you to feel discouraged if uh, Tulio is there hanging out, because to be honest with you, I just think it like this, I don't know you, we receive what you said in love, and, and because of love, what you said is, is that I got, we got a responsibility to protect these people, like if somebody, my grandson was walking down the street with my grandson, and all of a sudden, somebody i never seen before hands him a piece of candy. In love, I'm going to be, what? I'm going to ask questions. When the Lord spoke to me and told me that you were going to say something, uh, I told Tulio and I told Tom, did I not? I said, watch out, watch it. Something different is going to occur. He told me that. So, uh, so I asked, you know, two things. One, what was you know, Josh's heart and sharing what he said about love. But also it's interesting to me that he read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Where, uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, where we know that we're, would we not be ignorant concerning spirituals? Now, if you remember, we say that the word gift is not in there. It's added by the translators because of readability. But it literally reads in the Greek, I would not have you ignorant concerning pneumaticus. The normal word is pneuma. Charismata would be the normal word for 
spiritual gifts, but the Greek word is nomadikos, a pneumatikos, uh, literally meaning spirituals. And uh, I think what God was speaking in relationship to things, what I heard the Lord saying and what Joshua was sharing with us, first off is the Lord's don't want us to be an earth, ignorant concerning things of the Spirit. You know, that's what we're dealing with right now. This fast that between these Joel meetings is all about things of the Spirit. Particularly, he read highlighted 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, where it said, God has appointed in the church first apostles, then prophets and teachers, workers of miracles. And, you know, that's what God is doing with us, is ordering in us in this way. But the second thing is, the only thing that makes that work is what Joshua highlighted there, is what? And I want to say this, y'all, in between before this next joint meeting comes up, because we're going to talk about the apostolic, and Joshua, appreciate you hearing that word. I mean, speaking that. All right, bro. Um, where was I at here? What was I saying? What was I oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, we're talking about the law of relationships. And, uh, and I wrote a letter to the email to the elders at uh, Wednesday morning concerning our Joel meeting on Wednesday night, Tuesday night, that, you know, about some of the things that if we were going to operate as team, what we needed to hear what we were doing, because it cannot be centered around a person. It's got to be around Jesus and, and as the reflection of the elders and the body and the whole, whole functioning of that. But I told them, I said, uh, at the end of it, I said, we need to be very careful that the apostolic the thing that we're talking about, apostolic team, churches, and ministries, does not become a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because you remember, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the form of God without relationship with God. It becomes the focus. If we can get everything all ordered right, everything will be good. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But rather than the tree of what? Life, which tree of life is what? Nothing more than God himself. And we've done that in here. We've talked about it. So we've got to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is him. Period. Just period. Just Jesus. <laughs> in the fullness of who he is. And, and so, uh, and that's where we want to go. And this, the poster that Tulio had made for us about this period of time, y'all, we're going to be in this place for about how many weeks? I think it's about 16 weeks. We're going to talk about nothing about relationships, but relationships with God and relationships as his love flows through us to one another. Because, y'all, we, we can do a lot of things, and a lot of things would be fruitless without the depth of relationships with one others. And so we started this thing talking about the law of relationships and about some important foundations in the law of relationships with God established in the, in the, in the Garden of Eden. Now, um, you remember uh, last, about two, two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, or four weeks ago, I preached on the relationship with God is it, that's centered, and he's created us for relationships and he's also created us for love, which Joshua spoke about. And we've got to flow in that. Not have to. We get, that's the very nature of us to be released out in the reflection of God's glory. And I spoke on that. 
And then what we talked about, Mitch and to, Mitch and Robbie both talked, was one of the things that caused relationships to, to break down the sin. And Robbie talked about forgiveness issues. Because, y'all, no relationship can function at 100% efficiency. Because relationships are a mistake. Is there, is there a couple in here? Maybe Rick and Debbie is the only one maybe that have never had an argument or sinned in relationship. You know. So, do what? Do what? Never. <laughs> that was He said, if you get married, I may have trouble in the flesh. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's truth there. And so that's why we talked about forgiveness. And forgiveness literally means what, y'all? Sin forth. The mistakes that are in relationships, both in marriage, husband, I mean, a father and sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, both physically and also spiritually. Y'all, no relationship can function outside of the degree of forgiveness that operates in it. But also on the flip side, when a sin against occurs, that's where Mitch came and preached on, because our response when an offense occurs, anger, bitterness, complaining, hate, judgment, or rebellion, if it's an authority figure, because our response to those things can hinder also us being able to walk in the fullness of relationships. And so Mitch spoke about that. But then no relationship can function that it's ordered, I mean, come out, commanded to happen. That's where we, Ron last week pro, pre- preached about the freedom to choose in relationships. That was a foundation that God established in the garden. You may freely eat of any tree of the garden. Freely eat. Well, tree of knowledge, tree of good and evil. Tree of knowledge of good and evil, tree of life. God said, okay, you can choose. But the day you eat of the tree, you're going to die. You can go there, but you don't want to go there. You don't want that. Nope. But what God is calling us today is another very, very crucial foundation in the law of relationships. Now remember, law does not mean command. Law means that which is assigned and how God has created relationships to function is beauty and delight. Now, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. And I don't have PowerPoint because I just really just, just felt like the Lord just, there's times that it's just good for us to turn pages. You know? And so, rather than have it up there. And out of the ground, the Lord God caused, in 2.9, I'm sorry, in 2 line, and then verses 11 and 12, This is out of the ground the Lord caused every tree that was pleasing to the sight. Pleasing. Pleasure. Delight. Good for the sight. And good for food. Pleasing to the sight. These trees were beautiful. The food was was good. God made it that way. For food and the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then also in verse 11, and we, we already did this before, but I just want to set the stage. The name of the, the rivers that flow out of it, out of the Garden of Eden, or the whole land of Havilah, there is gold 
and the gold of that land is good, and bdellium and the onyx stone are there also. And what we were talking about was in the garden, which the Garden of Eden, which the Greek word for Eden literally means pleasure or delight. And so God put man and woman in this place to walk with Him in a place that was pleasurable and delightful. He, he surrounded it with gold in the rivers and bdellium, which is an is a aromatic essence that put out an odor, a smell that was pleasurable. And, uh, and that was in the garden. Onyx stones were there. Beautiful. Now it's interesting, y'all, as I was started to, to just study this, and I started looking up beauty and delight. Like uh, I've got this uh, one thing on my computer. It's called uh, 7,700 illustrations. Yeah. Periodic. I hardly ever use any of them. because they're. But I'm I just curious. And I looked up the word beauty and delight. You know what? They weren't in there. And I started looking around, and I'm going, what is the deal? And I'll be honest with you. I think the church, we, the church, are ignorant of the concept of the beauty of the Lord and the delight of the Lord. So I'm not going to sit here today and talk with you and say that I'm an expert on this, because I'll be honest with you, I'm done with a stump on this. And, uh, you know, that's why there's many of you in this joint here that are really precious to me in this, because it's kind of like you fill my gaps in this, awaken things in me that it'd be easy for me to just stuff. And, uh, but I think God is wanting to awaken us to have a revelation about beauty and delight. Because God's called us to love, right, Joshua? But you don't want to love the things that you that are delight. And so we're trying to command people to love. And need love. Love. Love me. John, love me. Boy, get it right. Love me. Yeah, well, that's really entice it right out of him. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm in going, okay, Lord. But here's the really crazy thing. I was praying about this, and the Lord showed me there's nothing more powerful than beauty and delight. But just like something most powerful thing on the earth right now that we know of, well, that I know of, that's physical, is atomic energy, nuclear energy. It can be harnessed, or it can also bring what? Destruction. And, uh, And I started thinking about it. Beauty and delight's the same way. Boy, it can bring awesomeness if it's rightly used and bring life. Or it can bring massive destruction. And I think what when I was looking in these Christian uh, resources about beauty and delight, and the reason why they didn't have them in there, so guess what? There's a whole spectrum of us who say, well, it's dangerous. Let's, what? Let's just don't go there. Still go there, because it can be deadly. But I think God's wanting us to say, okay, let's discover it. And let God put the parameters on it. Let God show us how to use the nuclear energy of beauty and delight. Only this don't have waste products. So anyway, 
Why? Let's go to Psalm 27, 5. 27. And, uh, and just allow the Lord. And, and y'all, you know, just listen to the Lord and stir up and, you know, and what the Spirit of God is saying, bring out. But in Psalm 27, David, man, a heart just wanting God. And though I, in verse 3, though a host can camp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. I love this. One thing I have asked. One thing. When I saw that phrase, one thing. One thing. Now we're, doing a, uh, we're developing a curriculum in DP right now for new believers, and it's called First Things First, and we're really writing it. The very first section of it is called One Thing. Well, it comes out of Luke 8, when Mary and Martha, when Jesus comes into Mary, into Martha's house, Mary's there, and I believe Mary is the one who was the one who was, had the seven demons caught in adultery that they were going to stone. Because when she comes and washes uh, Jesus' feet with her hair, he says, the one who's forgiven much, loves much. I think that's Mary. And it's in theological circles, it goes back and forth. But I believe it was just her passion. And then when she's sitting at Jesus' feet, Martha's getting all distracted by her many ministries. And, and it says this about Mary. She has chosen the one thing. But shall not be taken one thing. I can't help but think about that. One thing I've asked from the Lord. Get this, David's going, one thing? Could you imagine that? All of a sudden God slides you a sheet of paper across the page and says, okay, I grant you one wish. One wish. Whatever it may be. David goes, one thing I have asked from the Lord, and that I shall seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Why does he want to go there, y'all? To behold. The American Standard translates that the beauty of the Lord. See, David, having a heart after God, is, is a word, I mean, is a, is a guy that understood the heart of God. But it's interesting about this Greek word, I mean Hebrew word here in the Old Testament. About here, this word, New American Standard translates it, beauty. Do you know what the word really is in the Hebrew? Delightfulness. Delightfulness. The delight of the Lord, and that I shall seek. So what is it? What are we saying? Why is beauty and delight so important? You know why it's so important? It directs your affections. It, it draws out your affections and directs them. Danielle and and Leah and uh else in here um, <laughs> of um, um, been with me on trips to one of my all time favorite places on the face of this earth. Uh Ravine, Croatia. Ravine is a beautiful city. It's uh sits on the Adriatic Sea. And it has a little it has a, a little harbor, a, I mean a bay that comes in. And then a little peninsula sticks out to create this, this bay. So, it, you know, like the coast comes down and like this and there, there's this, there's this 
peninsula that sticks out. This peninsula then juts up to uh, probably two or three or four hundred feet above the water. It's way up there, bad about those kind of distances. But sitting at the very pinnacle of this of this peninsula, this hill that's on this peninsula is a church. And it's a really cool place because all around the church and all around that little peninsula is all these old, this, I mean centuries old houses, you know, two-story houses in the streets, I'm being honest with you, are no, they just seem like they're no wider than this. And they're cobblestone. And it's just so neat. And you go up there and you climb up that hill and you go out on the front of that church and you look out and you see the Adriatic and it's so clear and beautiful. And you turn around and here and you go in this church and, and it's made that where your heart goes up. And I just go and you go in there and they kind of messed it up putting all these other things in there. And I'm going, dude, it would be so cool to get BJ and the crew over there and just let them do a praise and worship in there. Man, that place, the Holy Ghost would surely fall out. Because, you know, you get in that place of beauty and your heart has nothing to do. It's got to go somewhere. And it's going to go. It can go, it very easily go to the Lord. It stirs it up. Because it's going to direct your affections. It's going to draw them out. But what happens, and we'll talk about this because we're going to do two weeks on beauty and delight. What happens? It's interesting. Your, you, you know, beauty and delight will draw the affections out. But what happens is when you see these kind of churches and stuff, it will stop at the church building, the structure, rather than go the church building to point us on to the Creator, to our Heavenly Father, to Jesus. And it kind of gets stuck. But the reality is beauty and delight draw our affections out. This last week, not this weekend, when, when was that? What's the day? Yeah, last week again. Yeah. It was Paul and I's 34th anniversary, Sunday was. And uh, on, on, we left on Thursday night to go to, uh, to Gatlinburg, the place that where we were, had our honeymoon. And we just, we just wanted to get down there. We checked into the same hotel, and it's a really cool, secluded place right over out from Gallenberg. It looks over the creek behind the trees and hidden old rustic-style rooms, and which that's my, me, beauty, and that. And, and uh, looking out, and it's just quiet. And all Paul and I did for Thursday, well, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday was nothing but just focus on each other and Jesus. Hear the Lord together. It was so awesome. Because what happened in that setting of beauty and delight, just enjoying each other, you know what happened to our hearts? It's just peace. And then you just naturally caught yourself a level of love for the one whom I married 34 years ago. Was was kindled afresh to apply. I want to say kindle afresh, but it really it wasn't a kindle afresh. It went to another level. Because why? We put ourselves in an atmosphere of beauty and delight. Also, an atmosphere of beauty and delight, but also it's just really cool to be with one who is beautiful and delightful. So that, you got double whammy there. And so it really helps. So anyway. See, God gave us 
beauty and the light in the garden to enhance and direct relationships. When he created Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden, a place of pleasure and delight, he put them in a place that where their hearts would be directed to him. And as he would direct it to him, it would be empowered to minister to his own wife or his wife back to himself in that atmosphere. So, why beauty and delight? Directs, it draws out our affections and directs them. But, I want you to go with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It's very, very important. Now, this is a caution, and I don't want to talk about today about the cautions in relationship to beauty and delight. But it's very important for beauty and delight to, to not be the end, that we use beauty and delight to enhance relationships. Now, y'all, why is this? Now, what am I think? What am I saying here? Y'all, we could get, we could really spend a lot of money on making this place beautiful. And there's a place for that if we do it with the heart that it's to enhance relationships with God and with one another. Now, that's a, that's a really kind of interesting place to walk. Because I want you to watch this passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4. And, uh, and there's something that's right in the middle of this, a treasure that... Uh, It's very important for us to pick out. In Philippians 4, watch this. I'm going to start at verse 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my love and crown, so stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Urge Judea and Sintity, in other words, you read it, to live in harmony in the Lord. And it goes on and says, indeed, True comrade, I ask you to help these women who have shared my struggle, struggle, struggle with the gospel together. In other words, help these two ladies get along. And then he starts talking about some different things about how to do that. In fact, this whole chapter is about getting to that place. But I want you to notice verse 8. Within this context of things about relationships, I want you to notice something here. Finally, brethren... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is what? The American Standard says this, lovely. Whatever is lovely. Anything worthy, if there's any excellence, any worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Let, you, let this be the conclusion of your heart. Interesting thing. What he's saying is, let your mind dwell on these things. Whatever's lovely. See, one of the crucial things for relationships, when you see relationships, you have to see relationships within the context of things that are lovely. Interesting thing about that Greek word about lovely here, y'all. It's an interesting word. It's a word that roots in love, brotherly love. It's interesting. The root of it is brotherly love. But it's got to do with, it gets translated and used in the word of lovely. And I'm going, Lord, why would you use this word in relationship? I think it's the only time this word is used in all of the New Testament, in the Greek, this word right here. And he's using it in the context of relationships. It's what he's saying. I believe he's saying in relationship to hell, helping Judea and sensitivity. Sensitivity. Yeah, in other words, those, those people... 
helping them getting along, one of the crucial things is to use that which is beautiful, lovely, to get their conclusion to see that about everything in their life. Everything's true, lovely, good report, excellence. Let this be in your life. So beauty and delight is always a point to enhance relationships, not the focus. In fact, I want you to notice with me in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, because what happens when it becomes the focus? And again, I, I didn't want to do much anything on negative, but it's very important. See, beauty and delight enhance relationships. Y'all, you know, and in the midst of struggles, if you can see the beauty and delight, it'll direct your heart. I'll never forget one time, I may have told this story, but I'm going to tell it again. I'll never forget one time, back around 2004. Y'all remember where, when 2004, when I was gone a lot, we had a, had a, there were two hurricanes. Well, there was, in one year, we had three hurricanes that hit through South Florida. The next year, we had another hurricane from the other side, from the Gulf side, come sweeping across and hit Belle Glade, Florida and wiped out one of our, our buildings down there, uh, commercial buildings. We had this small strip center there and just wiped it out. And we're trying to get it fixed up. It just peeled the roof back and just rain came in and just flooded, you know, just ruined everything in there. And I'll never forget, I, I, I flew down there real quick. Dad's in the, I think Dad was hurting real bad and the guy that was working for us was in the hospital. So I caught a plane, flew down there. You know, it was, you know just destruction all over that part of the, country and I, I get a car, rent a car and get down in Belle Glade and get to Belle Glade and all you're hearing, all you're seeing is destruction. Man, that hurricane came through there. Winds got up, I think, clocked around 150, 160, 75 miles an hour. You know, and it was supposed to be just a, a small thing, but all of a sudden, right over Belle Glade, it got nasty. And I'm, I, I get there and I'm trying to deal with our, this, the, the building and all the damage it's caused. And I remember crawl, climbing up on the roof and I'm standing on the roof and I'm looking around and I'm seeing just destruction. I'm hearing sirens. I'm hearing sirens going off and, and uh, causing all kind of craziness. And, and uh, you know, it's just crazy time. And I'm going, Lord, what is going on, Lord? I mean, Lord, help me give wisdom in this to deal with this. And I remember looking over. I just, I just glanced over, and the Lord said, "Look." And I looked over, and there was this, there was a big satellite dish that was on top of the building where the the convenience store company that was renting from us had put it up to, to broad receive information. And this thing got blew up and peeled the roof back where it was attached to the roof, and but it was right over. And I was sitting on top of it. it was this little bitty beautiful bird. The Lord said, look, that beautiful bird. And it was just really kind of crazy. It just got real surreal moment that we're around all this bird is destruction. And the sound of destruction, the sirens going off. I mean, this couldn't stop. The sirens were going, police cars, ambulances, and all that going off. And I look, and there's that bird. And I go, the beauty of the Lord. And the Lord says, see, right here. So my heart gets directed to the Lord. And where Psalm 91, he will hide you in the secret place of his presence. That moment just ministered into my heart because that small expression of the beauty of the Lord directed my affections to him. But, you know, I could sit and look at that bird and I go, hearketh, that is a, and got all enthralled with bird, 
be bird. And at that moment, now, I'm not please hear this right. I could become a bird lover to the extraordinary, to the nth degree, and lose all focus of everything. All that now matters is birds in life. I'm, ex- I'm exaggerating now, y'all. Okay, let me go there because it's cool. It's cool being a bird lover. I mean, it's cool. They're beautiful. But look at this in 20, in, uh, in 25 and 26. It says, uh, it says, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Get that. So all of a sudden, y'all, when we see beauty and delight, guess what it's easy to do? Oh, we start to worship the creation or the creature or the beauty instead of allowing the beauty and delight to do what? What is beauty and delight for? To draw out affection and to what? Direct it. So beauty and delight always has to do to bring out affection and direct it. But we always want to direct it. So when I see something beautiful, where do I want to go? Always in the context of, hear this, y'all, whenever you see beauty and delight, you always want to think relationship. Always. And the, intimate, the ultimate relationship you want to go to is who? The Lord. So when I see a beautiful sunset, I want to go, what? Oh, God. I see a beautiful flower. Oh, God. I see a beautiful wife. Oh, God. So, whatever. So anyway, because if it becomes a focus, notice what happens. It says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. Now, y'all, one of the... Here's where the church is crucial. I want to to stir something up here a second. This is where it's so crucial for the church to have massive revelation about the arts. Because I'll be honest with you, there is not a more wounded and broken bunch than the creators and the originators. I'm not originating from the beginning, but the bringer-outers of beauty and delight in a culture. I heard a guy speaking about it at IHOP, <laughs> not speaking publicly, but just passed on information. IHOP has a lot of musicians, very, very creative musicians, very creative musicians. But it was interesting, they were making a statement that, that I, I'm a, this is a, a repeat information, okay? But they were saying that about half of the people that come in to be musicians at IHOP have bondages of homosexuality. Because what's happening is, if the the art becomes the end, it becomes destructive. It becomes warping. And that's why, y'all, like when we sit in that church in Ravine, Croatia, so beauty, beautiful, you go in there expecting to sense the presence of God but all of a sudden you'll feel this spirit of religion just hit your heart and go, Ugh! because why? All of a sudden that cathedral became the focus and not the pure, holy worship of the Most High God and a passion to bring His people into His presence. 
That's how it can get beauty and delight can get warped. It always has to end with a focus on the Lord. Is that cool? Well, there's there's four things that the Lord just really put into my heart about discovering uh, beauty and delight. Now, y'all, I'm going to confess this, and I already said it once. I need you. I'll say this. I'll pick on Burby. Good choice. I need Burbies in my life. How many times have you heard me that? Burby's my person I pick on. But I need Burby. One thing is about Burby. It's good. And Mark will bear witness to this fact. Burby's got good taste. He does. You know who picked the paint out in this sanctuary? Burby. You know who picked the seats out? Burby. He's got good taste, don't he? Huh? Carpet? Burby. Good taste. Look at his wife. Right? Good taste. Go on his home. Go, Go eat supper with him. And Burby, you know, when Ingrid don't get home, Burby's making, he's making his hamburgers. He's making hamburgers. Phenomenal. You don't do anything. It's not good taste. It's beauty and delight. And it's really cool. But I, I just want to confess this. I need the Burbies. We need each other. But here's the crazy thing. Burby needs me. And my weirdness. And whatever I bring into the picture. Story about. So as I share these things, y'all, I just I throw them out here not from saying I got this figured out. Just some things I feel like the Lord was saying to me about us as we try to frame our relationships within this context of beauty and delight. First thing I, want to, I think the Lord was speaking to me is, it's very important for us to catch the revelation that God is the originator of beauty and delight, not Hollywood, not M- Main Street. They're not the originators. You know what it says in James 1.16? Do not be deceived, good beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, which there is no variation or what? Shifting shadow. Look at this in Psalm 96. God was showing me in creation, in the sanctuaries of heaven, you see it, you see beauty as one of the major foundations of, of heaven. In Psalm 96, 6, well, 5, what, four? Start at four. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is feared above all gods for all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens splendor and majesty are before him. Strength. Get this. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. You go into the throne room of God, y'all, it's decked out. It's beautiful. It originates from God. Not Burby. Ah, no offense. But God. He's the originator of it. How about in the arts? Look at this passage in Psalm 35 when, and there were, when Moses was in Exodus 35. Did I say Exodus 35? Yeah, get this. The originators, the creators of, of it. Exodus 35. In verse 30, 
Then Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Belzeel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and craftsmanship, in all craftsmanship, to make design for the working of gold and bronze. This guy's gift, it came from God. He's the originator of it. These paintings around or whatever, you know, that we see. You know, God is the originator. And here's the crazy thing. These brothers and sisters in the Lord that have this gift in them, if they, if they got to acknowledge that it's not an expression of that which is in them, it's an expression of the God himself that's gifted it with them. It's the Spirit of God in them, like he said with Bezalel. Spirit of God to empower him with wisdom and understanding and knowledge of all craftsmanship. That's cool. Rick Cooper, Lord told me about you. Look at this passage in Isaiah 28, 24. Look at this. This is what I did. I put I did this in there for you, Rick. Really. Because I started to take it out. But I did. I said, I'm going to leave that in there. I don't know whether Rick's going to be there or not. Look at this in 24. It says, give ear to the, 3-3, three, three, give ear to the voice, to my voice. Listen to my words. Does the, does the pl- farmer plow continually to plant seed? Does he continually turn and harrow the ground? Does he not level its surface, sow deal, scatter cumin, plant the wheat in rows, barley in its place, and rye within its area? For his God instructs him, teaches him properly. Ain't that cool? Now, we love the arts, but I'll tell you what, pleasure and delight. I would say Rick Cooper gets pleasure and delight out of cutting hay. Huh? If you you have help. Huh? Yeah. Test the Spirit, see what they've got or not. Yeah. work of God there. Take that. I'll take that. But about Rick's work? Talk about work. Lay foundation. Jesus Christ, I know Rick. But I'll say this. The gifting that is in Rick comes from who? God. Now, I'm sure Rick feels like at times, God, you gave me this gift, but he gave the gift how to deal with the weeds. That's God. I love this one, this passage in Psalm 48, 17. I am the Lord your God who teaches you how to profit. That's business. Beauty and delight. There's plenty of times I'm going, Lord, get me out of business. But there's a place in my heart that loves working on deals. 
I have to confess. And it can get weird. But I am the Lord of God who teaches you how to profit. He blesses it. So when we're talking about beauty and delight, it's very important for us to have it realized like in the arts. And, and I believe that arts are farming and business or, or engineering or, or whatever. Guess where that comes from? The Lord. And it's not a engineering, right? Steve. And so that's all God from God. But how about this one? God is the originator. I love this Ecclesiastes 9 9 passage where it says, Enjoy life. You've heard me quote it a lot. Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeing life, which the Lord has given you. Oh, God gave me Paula to have beauty and have delight. He knew I needed it. And that's important for that. God gave Paula for me. He's the originator of it, not Paula. Now, there's something I could say here about that. Because remember, all beauty and delight has to have what in mind? Relationship. Relationships is the focus. But the end relationship of every expression of beauty and delight has to be who? Now, hear what I just said? The end expression of every form of beauty and delight has to be the Lord. What if a woman uses her beauty to draw people to herself? That's called adultery. And that's where it gets weird. See, how beauty and light always has to have the sights of ending up in the Lord. And whether it's even my relationship with Paula, it needs to end up with the Lord. So God is the originator of it. And, uh, and it is God's will for it to be in our lives. I just want to real quick just speak these. In Psalm 36, verse 8, get, get this, y'all. I mean, this is the Word of God which is expressing His heart for us. In verse 8, How precious is Thy loving kindness, O Lord, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of Thy wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of thy house, and you do give them to drink of the river of your delights. Psalm 30, uh, Psalm 30, 30 yeah, 37. No, that's not what I want to want. Psalm 37 is cool too. Delight yourself what? In the Lord. Uh, when it was hitting me was a Psalm 1610. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of what? Joy and at his right hand, pleasures forever. At his right hand are pleasures forever. You talking about, y'all, if we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ through the cross and what Jesus' sole deal of coming to redeem us to through the brokenness of the cross, taking all the pain and sorrow of humanity and dealing with the sins and then put which was which was broken in right relationship so we can come into his presence with confidence. And y'all, in his presence with confidence, you can be full of joy and have pleasures forever. Now, y'all, that's called the good news. 
I think if we can catch the proper context and see God rightly in the fullness of everything, you have to beat the world coming out of this, out of this church. Now, I'm not just saying this, it's all about fun because there's too much brokenness in the world. But, but y'all, the brokenness is, is to help bring life in the midst of hell. The beauty and delight in the midst of hell, like when I'm sitting on top of a building and I'm seeing brokenness. So anyway, in 1 Timothy 6.17, go to the New Testament, where it says, Instruct those who are rich in this world not to fix their hope on the uncertainty riches, but God, who richly supplies us with all things... Speak this, y'all. Repeat this after me. Who gives us... That we may richly, wait a minute. Yeah, okay. But on God, who richly supplies us, uh, richly supplies us, all things to enjoy. That's God's heart. Now, what? And remember, when we're joined, it always ends up where? Him. That's God's heart. And relationships. How about this one, y'all? We ain't preached on this one too much on a Sunday morning. How about this in Psalm, Proverbs chapter 5? Maybe this is why we got such screwed up relationships many times. How about this one? 518. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Your loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you all time and be exhilarated always. With her love. I love that passage. I quote that to Paul periodically. You know what? Because, I mean, it's just really cool. I've been married 34 years. I just want to say this to y'all. Excuse me for being real. Just being with y'all. But this is church. This is family, right? I've been married 34 years. And I have I tell you this. There is no way that I would want to go back to that honeymoon. No way. I will say this. My wife, this is more truer after 34 than it was after 1, after 10, after 20, after 25, after 30. The 34th year is sweeter than all the preceding. It's almost like, you know, God says his loving kindnesses are new every morning. It's just like Paula's love is new every year. It's important. And you know what? That's from God. And you know what? That's why Satan so much goes after it. To destroy it. Because he knows this. If I am seeing rightly the beauty of the Lord in my wife, and I am delighting in the beauty of the Lord in my wife, guess what Satan cannot do? Tempt me with adultery. You know what? I mean, I remember sitting in business. Man, I go into business meetings. You know how sometimes things get rough? And I'd be sitting in this meet, meeting. They'd be sitting around a conference table, and all of a sudden, you know, I remember this one time Paula was going to visit her parents, and the guys go, oh, what you going to do, Rick? Paula's going to be gone. What's going to be gone? I'm going, what do I want to go there for? 
Why do I want to go there? I got the best. She satisfies. Beauty and delight of the one whom God has given them. Now, y'all, I'll just tell you this. This is what we'll talk about some next week. In fact, we'll talk about it right now. Because for us to experience the fullness of the beauty and delight of the Lord, there has to be a place of knowing that it, that it originates from God. It's God's will for me to have delight in my relationship with Him and in relationships with Mark. How about like the time sitting in a, in a, in a boat floating down a new river? Dude, that's delight. Together. Whatever. But y'all, you know, probably run out of time. I could do run out of time. That's unusual. Y'all, there were eight of these principles. <laughs> huh? Yeah, I will. Pardon me? Yeah. I am, I am. Fear of the Lord and the child care workers. They appreciate the beauty of a of a two year old so far. <laughs> but I, you know, this God just got us to this spot. God is beauty and delight is, is from the Lord. And he desires for us to walk in it. And I, I do, I will say this, y'all. One ways to end this thing out. What's that, what's that old hymn? Uh, can't, I get dangerous when I start to sing. Count your many blessings. Name them what? One by one. You know, uh, um, I just maybe ask this self this, this week. To ask you, ask the Lord to start to show you and awaken your heart to the places that He has put beauty and delight in your life that you have not been seen. Just ask the Lord to show you those places. Show you, show you where you maybe shut your heart off to. The expressions of it: a flower, a sunset. For me, those are the two biggies that God's been doing, had done in my life, and I've shared that too many times here. Got sick of it, but. But there, I'm sure there's other places. But how about this? How long have you been married, Marcy, John? 36 years. You know, one of the craziest places that you can lose sight of the beauty of the Lord that God's given you is when you, 36 years, 34 years, to take for granted the thing or the one to whom the Lord has given you or the beauty that you just see all the time. So easy for you to miss it. And so I just really want to ask us to maybe close out from that. I was going to speak more in depth about that, but we'll get more in depth about it like next week about that. So you hear my heart? Anybody got that something I want to add? Yeah. Where's that microphone? Yeah, you do. It's going to be recorded, Ingrid. Uh, when we started worship, there was a father who brought up his little boy. And that little boy clapped his hands and went, yay! <laughs> and it was just a reminder to me of that childhood delight he had just to be here. 
to worship, you know, no issues. I just, it was a good reminder to me. That's beauty. In the life. I got, I got, y'all got just a few more minutes. I just want to share something with y'all. See this dollar? I do not know what to do with this dollar yet. Here's why. Last night we were at the property, and yesterday afternoon we were at the property, and, you know, we had the intern retreat, and, and you know, Tammy and Tulio were there, and, you know, and their crew, and kids were running around. I think Steve's kids were running around, and all of a sudden, Anne-Marie walks up to me and says, Rick, I want to give you this dollar. And I said, well, Anne-Marie, why? Well, you know, you may want to buy another six-wheeler. And I go, I knew I had to take the dollar. And I'm going, this is probably the most precious dollar that I've ever received. And I'm going, Lord, I'm going to get another six-wheeler. <laughs> One dollar can buy. <laughs> that's beauty and delight. For that, that's something very, very precious. So, anyway, anybody else got something else here? I was just really feeling strongly, just maybe this is just for one person, but that God just really wanted to just establish that that you are beauty and delight to him. And so I think I just really felt like that there have been standards, whether words of man or just standards of the world that have just really shut off one, being able to receive it for yourself. And out of that has really shut that off, even for others. So I just really could just feel that strongly. It was the Father just declaring he created you, and he said, okay, this is, it's good. You're good. You're beautiful. Cool. Let's close. Marky, will you close? Yeah, you just need to take a look in that mirror and say, there's beauty and delight there. Because that's how God created you. Amen. I know for me, I was just going to say real quickly, when we were talking, you know, if anybody's been in my house and look off my front deck, you can see four mountain ridges at a time when it's real clear. It's really beautiful. There's so many times I just take that for granted. And then somebody new comes and sees it and says, wow, what a view. And I say, yeah, I got a good view, you know. I just take it for granted. And it's something that all the beauty that God has given us shouldn't be taken for granted. Father, I thank you for uh, just your blessings today and, and hearing your word. Lord, let it take root in our heart and bring forth fruit. Lord, help us to not, uh, not take lightly the beauty that you have given us in this world. The things you have given us to have delight that would give us delight. Lord, as we go out through the day, help us to see other people and how you have created them and what your idea of them is. So we can draw it out. Thank you, Lord. Amen.